happens when I fast is I, I have a hard time talking. I have a hard time talking anyway. And so when I fast, it gets extra. I have a hard time putting sentences together, and I have a hard time um, coming up with the words. And so I just want you to know as we go into this that that will probably be the case today. I also get real weepy. I've been real weepy the last couple of days. And so... Um, if I start crying over prayer, just take it with a grain of salt and cry with me or say, oh, there's Patty. <laughs> um, oh, don't we just want more of him? I just keep going back all week long to, I just want more of you, Lord, in these last seven days or however many days we've been fasting now. Don't we just want more of him in our lives, in our church, in our community, in heartstrings? in our time alone with Him, in our relationships. Don't we just want more of God? As we get ready to talk about prayer this morning, um, I want you to pray around your tables. And I want to encourage as many as possible to just pray and ask God to speak to us in a significant way today as we talk about prayer. Somebody start out there and then I'll close. Um, I want us, first of all, to take a look over the last few weeks as we have begun doing this um, study on prayer. I want us to look at the four places, the three different kinds of prayer that we've discussed, and then see around your table, how are you doing in each one of these? Are you making progress? Where are you still struggling? Where do you need more um, instruction or maybe more commitment. So let's just look briefly at each of the types of prayer that we've looked at so far. The first one is simple prayer. That's the one that I did the first week. We talked about um, that simple, ordinary people bringing ordinary concerns to a loving, compassionate father. It's coming to him warts and all. It's coming to him, you know, in those days when you go, Lord, I just don't feel like I want to pray at all. Or, Lord, I'm mad at so-and-so. Or, Lord, I'm just so weak. It's just coming to him, warts and all. It's where we come to our Savior in honesty and openness. We're not trying to hide anything from him. It's bringing all of our concerns and needs to him. I guess the best way to say it is just bringing to him all the details of our lives. Just bringing to him all the details of our lives. Do you do that? Do you just bring to him all the details of your life? The good, the bad, everything? Richard Foster says this, We must never believe the lie that says that the details of our lives are not the proper content of prayer. He cares about every single thing you are walking through. It's not just trying to pray like someone else, but praying like you. In fact, I love that quote that I shared with you. I've had it in my Bible for years and years and years. Pray as you can, not as you can't. It's not saying trying to sound like somebody else. It's not trying to put words like somebody else. It's not trying to be... Prim and proper when you pray. It's just crying out to him. Amber was telling around her table last week. I I love that story, Amber, where you said you and your sister were together praying. And the kids were going crazy and running and screaming and hollering. And you were chasing after them and you guys were just praying. So you were praying a while while you were running after the kids. And while you were screaming at the kids. And and it's just, that's prayer. It's just going, okay, Lord, I'm just 
Just like with my, my best friend in the whole wide world, I can just talk anyway. I don't have to worry about what she's thinking or, he's, or he, for my husband, what he's thinking. I just pray like I can, not as I can't. How are you doing with simple prayer? Just coming before him and bringing it all to him. Second kind of prayer is contemplative prayer. This is the one that Margie talked about. Um, it's the one that some people call centering prayer or listening prayer. It's where you try to clear your mind of all the noise and clutter of the world around you so that you can hear God's word, or I mean God's voice, better. I was listening this week to something that John Piper said about contemplative prayer, and he said that it's a personal connection with the living God. A personal connection with the living God. Uh, Richard Foster says it's the hardest kind of prayer for many because we're not very good at shutting out the noise and clutter in our lives and getting quiet before the Lord until we're really listening for his voice. This is the word you can fill in your blank. Silence doesn't work very well for us, does it? Silence doesn't work very well for us. And so when I come to contemplative prayer where I'm just trying to, that next paragraph, I'm trying to attune myself to divine breathings. And it's spiritual work. Listening to the Lord is the first thing, the second thing, and the third thing necessary for successful intercession. Trying to get to the place where I just really listen to him. But Foster says it's the hardest kind of praying because it's trying to quieten myself until I can just sense that I can hear his spirit speaking to my spirit. Take your Bible and turn to Psalm 62. Psalm 62, verse 1. We're going to look at a lot of scripture today. Psalm 62, 1. I forgot to put my reading time in this morning, so i got to use my little glasses. Psalm 62, 1. part of that verse says my soul finds rest in God alone my soul finds rest in God alone and I've given you the wrong verse I don't remember what the right verse is Uh, let me see if it's down here a little bit longer I'm looking for the verse that says my soul waits in silence for God alone and I don't remember what verse it is Um, but there's a verse in Psalms that says my soul waits in silence for God alone. But the where is it, Frankie? Is it a different translation? Oh, great! So mine says, "My soul finds rest in God alone." The New American says, "My soul waits in silence for God alone." The reason I wanted to share that is because the, in the Hebrew, it actually reads almost backwards, and I love what it says in the original language. Listen to this. Only for God in silence does my soul wait. Isn't that neat? Only for God in silence does my soul wait. So contemplative prayer is trying to get myself in a place where I'm just quiet, I'm meditative, I'm listening to the voice of God, I'm trying to let His Spirit connect with my spirit. And it takes discipline, and it takes time, and it takes effort to do this one. 
Margie talked about using the word when we do contemplative prayer, and I think this is really, really important. Margie talked about using Isaiah 6, where she said, you know, she tries to picture God. I see, uh, Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and then all the smoke and all the shaking starts happening. So she said, I just try to picture God coming in, uh, coming into God's presence, where he is magnificent, where he is holy, where he is high and lifted up. For me, I use a lot of psalms for contemplative prayer. I try to just find a psalm that really kind of resonates with me. And I try then just to get quiet before him and maybe even say a word or two to him. Majesty. Splendor. Quietness. um, Beauty. Creator. I just try to find some scripture that just grips me. And try to get quiet before the Lord. It's not an easy thing to do, this getting quiet before him. In fact, Richard Foster in his book on prayer says, it is the last kind of prayer that most people ever get to. We had Marky do it the second week, so maybe we should have had you come the last week, Marky. He says it's not for uh, the casual Christian. Because it is so much a discipline, and it's so much... We're, we're just not good at those kinds of disciplines. I love what A.W. Tozer wrote. I put it on your note guides there. It's his prayer. Lord, teach me to listen. The times are noisy and my ears are weary. With the sound of, with the sound, with the, with the thousand noisy sounds which continuously assault these ears. Give me the spirit of the boy Samuel when he said to you, Speak, for your servant listens. Let me hear you speaking in my heart. Let me get used to the sound of thy voice, that its tones may be familiar when the sounds of earth die away, and the only sound will be the music of thy speaking voice. Contemplative prayer. We also talked about intercessory prayer, and that's where we pray for others. I think I didn't use any of your quotes on the first week, or the second week. I know, I noticed. Huh. <laughs> Megan's got to pray now because she left hers out. I don't know how I did that. <laughs> it's it's, the fasting. <laughs> it's We'll blame everything on fasting for these ten days. Everything in my life has not been great. I've gone into the fasting. (laughs) Intercessory prayer. It's where we pray for others. Um, This is the one that probably most of us spend the most time on, but I'm convinced should come at the end of our prayer time most times. I'm convinced that praying for other people, as vitally important as it is, is not something I should jump into quickly because I don't usually know even how I should be praying for someone until I get myself in the mood or the atmosphere of praying. So if I'm just jumping into praying, and I'm saying, okay, God, I only have 15 minutes, so i got to pray for my kids. That's not the fasting, that's just me. <laughs> how do I know how to pray for them today? Could it be if I get myself in the mood of prayer when I'm connecting with him? When I'm attuning my spirit with him, when I'm getting quiet before him, when his word is washed over my soul, could it be then that I'm more able to pray 
to intercede for others. I'm convinced that that's true. But boy, intercession is so important. I put a few quotes on there that I love. Rachel probably used these with you. Richard Foster, we must never wait until we feel like praying before we pray for others. Prayer is like any other work. We may not feel like working, but once we have been at it for a bit, we begin to feel like working. He also says, if we genuinely love people, we desire for them far more than it is within our power to give, and that will cause us to pray. That's how I feel when I do heartstrings. I go, I want so much more for you than I could ever do for you as a teacher. That's why I have to intercede for you. That's why I pray for my church. That's why I pray for my kids. That's why I pray for my husband. I want so much more for these people whom I love that I must intercede for them. So we look at simple prayer. We look at contemplative prayer. We look at intercessory prayer. The question for you around your tables is, tell about any progress that you feel like you're making in any of these. Um, Which one is the hardest for you? Which one is the easiest and why? It may just be that you want to say, um, when it comes to prayer, this is what's happening with me. You might be tying it to the fasting. However you want to answer this, let's go first of all to those people who tend to talk the least so they get a chance to share. You may have to call on them, but that's okay. Jump in there and share. Which of the prayer uh, types of prayer is easiest for you right now? Do you feel like you're making any progress in any of them? If you feel like you're not making progress in one or two or Three. Would you share that? Why? Go. Um, let me remind you again. It's redundant, I know, but let me say it again. Contemplative prayer will probably always be the hardest for you, for me. We're not good at this getting quiet, at getting focused. We're not good at it, and we don't work at it. When you start, if you start an exercise program, if is the big word I know, (laughs) if we start an exercise program, do we say at the end of the first day, oh man, I am just a horrible person because I am not fit yet, I am not buff yet, I am not skinny, I am not whatever word you want to put in there. No, you say, I've done one day of this. I got a long ways to go. The same thing with contemplative prayer. In fact, I think it's harder, as somebody who really believes in being fit spiritually, mentally, in every way, I think it's the hardest kind. When you work out, if you are committed to that, you really see the progress, and we're visual people, we see it real quickly. When you work at contemplative prayer, you don't really see that real clearly, even when you're making progress. In fact, I think sometimes it's easier to see the parts where you're not doing well. So you know, maybe you're, you're getting better at kind of centering on him and, and, and connecting with him for two days. And then for three days, you're horrible. You go, oh man, it's all through the, it's out the wall or out the window. <laughs> Not one of those things. Don't get discouraged and don't let the devil convince you that you can't get better at this. See, I think the reason contemplative prayer is so important, that, that sense of, I've got to get quiet before him, I've got to get in tune with him, really affects the rest of prayer. 
So don't give up on it. Maybe some of the rest of the stuff we're going to talk about today will help. I'm not going to worry about how far we get in today's lesson. I know that's a shock to all of you. I usually worry about how much we get through. But next week we'll finish up whatever we don't finish today. Plus we'll have um, our four people up here on stage who've been talking about prayer. And we'll answer questions about prayer. Um, But I want to talk for a little while about four questions about prayer that might help us. It says three on your notes. It's actually four and for some reason, when your note guide was run, it says one, one, two, three. So it really should say one, two, three, four. I know that'll bother some of you who care about that kind of stuff. Some of you won't even notice it. First of all, why, why is prayer so important? Why is prayer so important? First reason I would say is that it feeds, it renews your soul on a daily basis. It renews your soul on a daily basis. Take your Bible and turn to Exodus 16. Exodus 16. I want you, you know this story, but I want you to be able to find where this story is. And I know some of you say you're not real good at that. Genesis, Exodus, chapter 16. This is the story of where um, the people get bread from heaven, get the manna, and eventually the quail. I want you to notice uh, verse 4. Um, let's, let's start in verse uh, 3. The Israelites said to Moses and Aaron, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Now remember when they were in Egypt, they were griping because of their lives in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and we ate all the food we wanted. But you brought us out to this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. How dare you, Moses, come and save us from Pharaoh. Oh my goodness, grumbling is such a part of human nature unless we get it cleansed by the Spirit. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out. How often? Each day and gather enough how much for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that's to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. And you know that, if you notice in the next, you should read this chapter sometime. The next verses, verses 6 to 12, uses the word grumbling one, two, three, four, five times. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. How often did he rain down bread from heaven? Daily. Turn over to John chapter 6. That's Mark Luke, John chapter 6. He feeds the 5,000 in the first part of chapter 6. Then he walks on the water. And then he begins to unfold to them more truths about who he is. Look in, um, oh, let's look at verse 32. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you, current, present tense, the true bread from heaven, 
For the truth, for the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse thirty-five. I am the bread of life. Verse thirty-forty-one. I am the bread that came down from heaven. Verse fifty. Here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Old Testament, he rains down bread daily. Why? He didn't have to do that. He could have given them a month's worth of bread. He could have given them a year's worth of bread. Why would he do it daily? Why do you think... Could it be that God says you need to know every single day you need me every single day? New Testament, Jesus says, it's not that manna from the Old Testament. I'm the bread of life. I'm the manna. How often do you think we need him? I am convinced with all of my heart that prayer, time with God, the Word, is a daily, daily need. You and I were created, that's your blank there, to need him daily. I'm also convinced that many Christians are bankrupt spiritually because they aren't being filled daily. That's your blank. There's this created need in humanity to need him daily, to depend on him daily, to turn to him daily, to throw ourselves at him daily, to feed on him daily. And prayer is one of the greatest avenues of doing that. So for me, why is prayer so important? It feeds my soul on a daily basis. Another thing I think is so important is the love bank idea. You've seen me use this in other things. If you've ever come to marriage, then you've seen me use it for marriage. But I think it's just such a good visual. It's like my life is a bank, or is a, a tank, I mean. And this tank is, is, can be filled with him on a daily basis. The, the trouble is, that, or at least reality is, that I'm also being drained daily. You're being drained daily. People's needs, people's heartaches, people's sadness, work, children, um, people's criticism, financial problems, physical problems. Everything tends to drain stuff, drain strength out of us, drain anointing out of us, drain power out of us, drain everything out of us. And on a daily basis, we can come to the Father and say, we can come to the living bread and say, fill me again. Fill me again. So that when people drain me, when needs drain me, when heartaches drain me, I still can be filled. And I really confess that in our lives, if we're not being filled on a daily basis, we end up with an empty tank. And when we... We're in my... What did I do with that eraser? We're being drained, 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 drained. If we're not being filled, 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 then we end up empty. And we say, why am I so critical? Why am I so depressed? Why am I so angry? Why don't I have answers for people? 
Why don't I have a sense of hope that God's going to work here? Why can't I trust him? Why, 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 why? It's because we're not being filled on a daily basis. In time with God, in prayer, and in the word, keep filling that love bank. We're giving out and giving out and yet not being filled on a daily basis. That's your blank. Have you noticed the use of the word daily there? Do you think I'm trying to make a point? Oswald Sanders, one of my favorite writers, says this. It's on your note guides. Everything in our Christian life and service flows from our relationship with God. If we are not in vital fellowship with Him, everything else will be out of focus. But when our communion with Him is close and real, it is gloriously possible to experience a growing intimacy. Around your table, would you answer this question? Have you found prayer to be that refueling that I'm talking about? How do these illustrations about prayer help you? The illustrations about the manna and about the love tank. How do those two help you? And do you find yourself being refueled as you spend time with your Savior? Talk around your table for a couple minutes. Go. How many of you are worriers? You tend to be worriers. Notice it's not a thing of... It, it's, I saw your own hands and older hands. This is where worry really takes its... Really shows up. When I am not refueling daily, then worry... Just be, it's like a, it's like worry becomes this monster, and it just it just takes over and it just starts filling that tank and filling that tank and filling that tank. I've said it tons of times here in Heartstrings over the years that either the word will take over the worry, or the worry will take over the word. So, time with him. Well, the second question I want us to, second thing I want us to look at. Why is prayer so important? One, it, re, it refuels our soul on a daily basis. And two, it develops relationship and intimacy. It develops relationship and intimacy. Oh, I just wish so much that I knew how to teach this better. I wish I knew how to open up your brains. Am I off? Did I leave something out? Nope. Oh, I thought maybe I left out a blank. I wish that I could teach this better. This idea that prayer, time with Jesus, develops relationship and intimacy. Because for many people, prayer is an obligation. It's a duty. It's a guilt thing. And you get to the end of the day and you go, Oh man, I haven't prayed today. Man, if Patty knew this, she would just say, What kind of Christian are you? Or we say it's just on that to-do list. i got to check it off. But that's not God's plan. God's will is for deep relationship with his children. And focused, concentrated prayer results in that deeper relationship with him. He wants relationship with you and with me, and he offers it. But I put on your note-taking guides right there, that quote by Foster. Prayer is a... I just love this. Prayer is a love relationship... An enduring, continuing, growing love relationship with the great God of the universe. This overwhelming love invites a response. Real prayer does not come by gritting our teeth, but by falling in love. 
With simplicity of heart, we allow ourselves to be gathered up into the arms of the Father and let him sing his love song over us. Oh, that we would get that. That prayer is all about relationship. That's why honesty is so important. I need to be able to go to my best friend and be able to say, Lord, this stinks. Or worry is taking over. Or God, I don't know what to do about this. It's, it's just part of crying out to him. And being so real with him. And knowing that he cares. And that even as I'm talking to him about the horrible things of my life. Or the concerns or the heartaches of my life. Even that is developing relationship with him. I know that we want relationship. But we often don't invest the time and the effort and the energy that allow for that relationship. Spiritual disciplines like prayer, the word, help us to develop that relationship. You know, we see it all the time, don't we, in our human relationships. Think about your best friend. That best friend is your best friend because you have gone through a lot of stuff together. You've been open and honest with each other. You have um, uh, talked and laughed and done life together. That's just best relationships. I think about, like with John, I don't worry with him One of the things I love most about my relationship with him is that I don't wonder what he's going to think about me. Ever. Ever. He's the only person in my life probably that I never, ever, ever worry what he's going to think about me. I just know that this guy loves me as I am so un... um, What's that word? I can't get it. What? Unconditionally. That... Man, you guys got that fast. <laughs> Are you fasting? <laughs> That's fast. Um, he just loves me so much. I can be completely myself. Relationship has developed because on a daily basis we have just poured into each other for now almost 43 years of knowing and loving each other. Relationship comes as you just are part of one another's lives. Little Miss Stella. I was with her last two weekends ago. Leo turned one. And so we went down Sunday after, on a Sunday after church to be with them. Sunday night, she and I were reading as um, she was getting ready to go to sleep. We'd spent about five hours playing. And I was exhausted. And she wasn't. And she was laying on the bed and she said, Grandma, you just have to come down and spend more time with me. I said, I know, Stella, I know, I I just miss you so much. She said, no, I mean it. You have to come down and start, come down and see me more often. I said, I know, hon, I know, I need to, but, I don't know how I finished it. She said, you need to spend time with, more more time with me, because my mom and dad never, ever play with me. I said, Stella, that is not true. Your mom and dad spend a lot of time playing with you. She said, they do not. They do not spend time with me playing. I said, Stella, I have seen, I was just laughing. I said, Stella, I have watched your mom and dad play with you. I know they play with you. And she said, they literally do not spend time playing with me. How does she know literally? I was telling her daddy about it later that night. He said, as you were getting ready to tell me the story, I thought she's going to use the word literally because that's her new word. How do you use the word literally in the right context? And so she got it. They literally do not spend time playing with me. But she knows that when grandma comes down, 
Grandma is on the floor or on the bed or at the table doing crafts that we literally <laughs> spend every moment of those 24 hours that we're together and oh, is deep relationship happening? Is deep joy happening? Is deep friendship happening? Because we're literally spending a lot of time together. How about you? Are you literally spending time with them? Are you literally developing that relationship with them? Are you literally letting him fill the tank? Are you literally feeding on him on a daily basis? Oh, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. We can enjoy deep, meaningful relationship with him, but it's up to us. Oswald Sanders, I put it on your papers there, so good. Both scripture and experience teach us that it is we, not God, who determine the degree of intimacy with him that we enjoy. We are at this moment as close to God as we really choose to be. True, there are times when we would like to know a deeper intimacy, but when it comes to the point, we're not prepared to pay the price involved. The fact is that relationship is possible, but let me make sure you understand that in all relationships... There are ups and downs. I don't want to paint this picture for you to say, if you really take this seriously and develop a deeper relationship in uh, prayer and in the Word and in feeding on Him daily, I don't want to paint this picture for you that every day you're just going to have this Pollyanna, oh, life is so much fun. It's not. Relationship with Him is not all highs. It's a lot of lows. In fact, um, Richard Foster, let's see, Philip Yancey says it this way on your notes. I believe that life with God should seem more like friendship than duty, but prayer includes moments of ecstasy and also dullness, mindless distraction and acute concentration, flashes of joy and bouts of irritation. In other words, prayer has features in common with all relationships that matter. Isn't that good? It's just saying, okay, Lord, this is life with you. In fact, I heard someone say it around your table. I forget what the context was, but you were talking about the fact that um, when you were really struggling, you said, so I used to just talk about it myself. Joanne, maybe it was you. I used to just say it myself. You said, now I just tell it to him. Lord, I'm distracted. Lord, I'm having a hard time with this. Lord, I'm feeling really cruddy. Lord, it's just relationship. That's what I do with John. That's what I do with my best friends. That's what you need to do and I need to do with him. So around your table, the question is this. How would your prayer life get better or change if you got that one truth that prayer is about developing deep relationship? Literally deep relationship with Jesus. How would that help you improve your prayer life? Chat for a couple minutes, would you? Boy, um, this thing of just walking through life with them is so important. Um, Amber just said it so well that, you know, in marriage, I don't have every day where I go... Where I have those overwhelming feelings of love for my husband. I mean, I'm, I would die for him. But some days I go, yeah, I'm glad you're here, hon. 
it doesn't mean that I'm less committed to him or that I'm going to treat him differently or that I'm going to not uh, talk with him and share with him and love him. It just means I don't have feelings sometimes. That's just life. I'm never going to wake up every day and have the same feelings every single day of my life. The same thing is true with Jesus. Sometimes it's just saying, Lord, hi. What do you want to talk about today? Lord, I don't feel your presence. Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm really ticked at this person. Just walking through life with my Savior. It's just part of what relationship is all about. So the first question we looked at is, why is prayer so important? The second question I want us to look at is, is length of time in prayer important? Is length of time in prayer important? Take one minute around your table and answer that. Do you think length of time is important or not? Around your table, like five seconds each. Is length of time in prayer important? Does it matter how long you pray? Go around your table and just answer. What do you think? It's not a trick question. It's just what do you think? You're like, she's going to shoot me now with the wrong answer. Just just what do you think? (laughs) One minute. How many say length of time does not matter? How many say length of time does not matter? Let me see your hands. How many say length of time does matter? How many say, I think it's a trick question and Patty's going to get me. I would say, whichever way you answer that, I think you've answered it correctly. Let me just talk for a couple minutes about two kinds of prayer. One, continual praying. And I just think of the word unceasing. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Do you remember what this one says? 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It's in the T's. Thessalonians, Timothy, and Titus. First Thessalonians 5:17. We'll look at we'll pick it up in verse 16. Be joyful always. Whoa, man, Paul, that's asking a lot, but I guess you knew what prison and stuff is like, so maybe you could say it. Be joyful always. Pray how often? Continually give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pray continually. You might just want to write that word somewhere there by First Thessalonians five seventeen. Um, look at um, uh, Colossians four two. <coughs> Colossians four two. Back just a few pages. Colossians four two. What does Paul tell the Colossians they need to do when it comes to prayer? Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful, devote yourselves to prayer. When I picture that word devote, that's a pretty deep word to me. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be prayers. Look at um, Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. Back closer to Revelation toward the end. Hebrews 13, 15. Thank you. 
Hebrews 13.15. The writer says this, Through Jesus, therefore, let us, how often? Continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Continually offer praise. Luke 18. Luke 18. This would be a great chapter to read um, this week in your time alone with God. We're not going to look at the whole one, but it's such a great story, great parable. Luke 18, verse 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And he tells that story then about the widow who's coming before the judge and asking for justice. Always, always pray. I really am convinced, you know when I've heard several of you say today that you um, offer flash prayers all day long. That's really, really good. Don't ever think that you should stop offering the flash prayers. I'm really convinced that God wants to bring us to a place where we are continually in a spirit of prayer. I would go so far as to say, I'm convinced that he would like to bring us to a place in relationship with him that it's hard to go five minutes without thinking of him, without talking to him. I just believe that's the way he's designed us to be. And if you do, if you can go an hour or two without thinking about him, if you can go 15 minutes without thinking about him, there's a lot more for you to go. There is a lot more relationship that he wants to develop because he wants to be so close to you that you find yourself, and he wants to make himself so real to you that you find yourself just constantly talking, constantly talking, constantly talking. Just constantly in relationship. So this thing of continual is really important. And I would just encourage you to say to the Lord, I just want to become better at this. I want to get to be a person who is just in relationship constantly, in dialogue constantly with you. Sometimes it's praising him, Hebrews. Sometimes it's interceding, Colossians, always wrestling in prayer for you. Sometimes it's... um, crying out to him. Sometimes it's saying, God, I need you. Sometimes it's saying, Lord, help me to be patient right now. It's just that continual, continual praying. But I really think that sometimes during the week, there need to be longer times in prayer. Sometime in the week, there need to be longer times in prayer. We need some time in the week (laughs) to have time where we have some extended time alone with God. Because that's where even deeper relationship exists. Um, sometimes John and I go for longer periods of time. You know, we, we'll talk to each other every day, and that's good. But boy, those times when we have longer times of date night. Now, sometimes we'll have a date night, and it's not even that great. It's just like, oh, okay, great, we got to spend the night together, the evening together. You know, that's nice, but no big deal. But sometimes, sometimes, you know, it's just wonderful when we have that deep, deep sense of relationship, talking, um, fellowship, intimacy. It's just really great and we really believe that has to happen on a weekly basis or we begin drawing apart from one another i think the same thing is true with our relationship with god that sometime in the week 
you need to have some extended time with them. Now, I'm saying that to moms with young children. I'm still saying it. I'm saying it to you because you need it in order to be the mom that you need to be. I know I'm talking to some ladies who work jobs outside of the home, and you have, maybe you're a single mom, I'm still saying it because you really need it. I know I'm saying it to people who have lots of stuff going on in your lives, and you say, how in the world can I, sometime through the week, take an hour or two, two or three times a week? I'm saying you need it. Extended time alone with God really develops that relationship. I think it even helps us tremendously when it comes to um, interceding. I put one of my favorite quotes on your note guides there by Ian Bounds. He's the guru, probably one of the gurus of writing on prayer. He says this, It takes good time for the full flow of God into the soul. Short devotions cut the pipe of God's full flow. It takes time in the secret places to get the full revelation of God. Now, to do this, to have sometimes in the week where, I don't know for you if it's one time, if it's two times, if it's five times, it kind of depends on your place in life. But to do that, you, however many times you do it, you will have to carve it out of your schedule. I mean, and I, I use that word deliberately. You know when you carve a turkey and you take that, that electric knife and you just you know go into it and you just cut down into it? It's like that for me. I believe with all my heart that I must have extended times alone with God uh, a lot throughout the week. But every single time I do, it's carving. I just have to go, Lord, I just have to carve this time out. Because I have so many things that drain me, so many things that I need, so many people that need something. So much, so many needs all around. But because of that, i got to get really, really, really full. And so I have to carve the time out. And when I leave here from work and I, have, and I just would rather go home and veg, and that's every single day of my life. Every single day, the flesh cries out. You can get by a day without it. I can. I love them. I can walk with them. I can do my flash prayers. The needs around for wisdom, for help, for intercession, for encouragement, I just got to get filled. And so I'm convinced that sometimes you have to do the extended times in prayer. What about feelings? When we pray, I mentioned that already. Don't worry about the feelings. Just don't worry about them. You may or may not feel God's presence or cry or feel anything. That's okay. It's all about, I think you have a line there, don't you? It's all about faith, 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 faith. I can't say it enough. If you depend on feelings to spend time with God, you will seldom spend time with God. It's all about faith. I want to do, oh shoot, 13 till. Hmm, what should we do? Let me, let's look at this number uh, four. What are some practical steps? Let's do one thing on that. Because I want you to experiment with this one this week, Okay. And then next week, we'll assign the rest of it. Um, What are some practical steps to a meaningful prayer time with God? Uh, Let me give you some, we'll just start with the first one, but today and next week, I want to talk about some specific things that I think really, really help us when it comes to praying. And I'm not sure if people are really good at incorporating these. 
For me, I was picturing it this week when I was writing this lesson. I was kind of picturing it like a pie of my life when it comes to prayer. And it sometimes, it, I, I think I gave four different things. Sometimes this first one of being still, I really, really need to use that a lot in my prayer life because maybe I've not been very still lately. And then, uh, and then praise. Maybe some weeks I go, oh man, I am, I just desperately need to praise him. And so that might take up a lot of my prayer time. Sometimes I talk about confession and repentance next week. This is the part that in most Christians' lives, they take up about this much time. We'll talk about that next week. Most Christians don't spend much time in confession and repentance. And because of that, they never really develop that, that, that attunement with the Spirit so that they can really do the intercession. Most Christians spend most of their time, I'm convinced, in intercession. So we'll talk about all four of those components, and not every week do you spend equal amount. It's not like, okay, I've got 25 minutes to pray. Uh, 8.3 minutes I have to spend in this, and then 8.3 in this, and 8.3. You just, throughout the week, I try to spend time in all of these in a week's time. But I don't measure it and go, oh, I wonder if I spend enough time in being still. I just say, okay, I need to spend time in being still in order to, to draw close to him. Uh, real fast, though, uh, we begin this practice that most of us find very difficult. It's part of that contemplative prayer. But without it, I don't think that life change happens as well as it should. The Latin for the word be still is to vacate. Vacate, V-A-C-A-T-E, vacate. And um, Yancey quotes somebody who says it this way. God invites us to take a holiday, to vacate, to stop being God for a while and let him be God. God is inviting us to take a break To play truant. We can stop doing all those important things we think we have to do in our capacity as God and leave it to him to be God. Be still. It's centering down on him. It's just connecting with him. It's where you just take some time to sit and still yourself before God. You slow down inside. You begin to focus. You get quiet. You look around. You calm down. I love warm weather. Because I like to just sit outside and do this. It's so much easier for me to really be still, to get more quiet when I'm outside. For some of us, it will take quite a while to do this. And you know why we don't do this? We think we're wasting time. We think, oh no, I only want to do this much be still because I got all of this intercession to do. And so we just pray whatever we think we should pray for people and we don't have any idea if we're praying God's will or not. And I'm saying if we increase our amount of being still before him, then we sense greater how we should pray for other people. Um, This is a time to let God nourish your soul. Nancy puts it like this. Some of you will like this quote. Others won't like it. I love it. Mystery. Awareness of another world. An emphasis on being rather than doing. Even a few moments of quiet do not come naturally to me in this hectic buzzing world. I must carve out time and allow God to nourish my inner soul. I begin my being still by taking my prayer journal and just writing to him, just saying, Lord, I'm I'm so distracted. I'm so unfocused. I just start pouring out my heart to him and saying, 
help me here. And then I take the word. I put on your note guides here some scriptures about being still that might help you to quote those before the Lord or write those out. Uh, But I want to encourage you this next week in your prayer time to um, incorporate this be still time and experiment with it. Just say, okay, Lord, I'm on this experiment with you. Patty wants me to spend more time being still. How in the world am I going to do it? And take the word, take the word, take the word. Most of my prayer time uh, is with the word. Take the word and dig, you know, just take some, take maybe some psalms and just meditate on them. Ask God to quiet your soul. Just get quiet before him. Try to let him work on the distractions until you begin focusing, begin focusing on him. But try to do a little bit more of being still this week. And then we'll talk about the rest next week. Hey, around your table, would you spend a couple minutes in prayer as we get ready to close? And I want to ask you especially to pray for... Um, some of you know Arlen and uh, Judy Avery. They are two of our readers at the 1045 hour, I think it is, on Sunday mornings. They have just had a horrible time with family members being very, very, very ill. And their daughter, Angie, has just been so, so bad. She's been at Mayo, and um, she has had her first round of chemo, and in her, and that was horrible. The second round was better. The third round that she's going through right now is really horrible. And um, it's just a nightmare. And Judy said at the end, I just got this this morning, she said um, she knows that her name is being called out by people who love her all over. Um, she said, I don't think there is anything harder than seeing your child sick and struggling. So thank you for praying for us. And I just wrote her back and said, we're going to bring her to the throne this morning. Her name is Angie. And if you would just pray for Angie around your tables this morning, that God would touch her and be so near to her. And pray for um, Arlen and Judy as they suffer watching their daughter hurt. And you have needs, too, that you might want to just take before the Lord. We just have five or six minutes. But would you pray? It might be that you just want to pray about the lesson today. And just tell God you need to develop a deeper relationship with him or you need to be still. Whatever you want to say to him. Simple prayer. Talk to him about the details. Would you pray around your table? Would you, as we close in prayer, would you just whisper to him and tell him how much you love him? Just do it in a whisper way so that you can hear your voice. Other people can't tell what you're saying, but just tell him how much you love him. Tell him you adore him. Just praise him for a minute. Would you take your own prayer life before him and it's like you're putting it in your hand and just lifting it up before him and ask God to take you deeper when it comes to prayer. Regardless of how much you're, how well you're doing, it doesn't matter, there's always more, but just take your prayer life before him and talk to him about it. Lord, as we close, we pray especially for those people who are sitting here right now who are just hurting over physical issues. I know a lot of people in this room have some real um, physical things that 
cause great anxiety. And I pray, we pray together that you would touch each one of them. That you would help every one of them, that their roots will grow down so deep in you that nothing can shake them. Not cancer, not a diagnosis, not pain, that nothing would shake them from their trust in you, their confidence in you, and their love for you. We pray for Amy's daughter, Angie, today, Lord, that even today in that hospital room, you would fill that room with such a presence of God and such a healing touch from God that they sense, Emmanuel, God is right here. Comfort um, Arlen and Judy as they hurt over their daughter. And I pray, Lord, for every single person in this room today who is hurting in any way, May they today find a greater comfort and a greater relationship and a greater depth of intimacy with you that meets them at their point of need. We just tell you we love you, we love you, we love you, and we are incredibly amazed that you've given us prayer. And we praise you for it. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. And as you leave, would you make sure you leave kind of quickly so Marnus and everybody can get the funeral dinner ready. Make sure your tables are real nice and clean so they can set them up. Have a great week and we'll finish up prayer next week. Don't forget to bring your food.